Good, good, good. Well, thank you for being with us. Thank you also for muting your microphone for the first few minutes, and then we're going to try to open this up for as much dialogue as we can can cram in here. And so when you have something to say, open your mic and wait for a spot. And, and if we call on you, that would be even better. Then when you're done, you can mute your mic again. So we'll, uh, we'll go ahead and get started. We won't, don't want to punish the, the punctual. We're blessed to have you. And uh, we're just grateful for all that God has uh, been doing among us as a people. And uh, we've been enjoying uh, real presence of God. Yesterday was amazing. The worship just about blew the roof off of the place. And Ethan happened to be leading our worship yesterday, too, and did a fantastic job. We dedicated some babies and all of that fun stuff and then got to teach as well. So we want to welcome you to this Global Sonship Forum. We're not trying to go global. We want sonship to go global. That's what we're trying to say. So we don't call it sonship global. We call it global sonship. We're asking the Lord to, to stir hearts from every quarter, every denomination, every kind of place where hearts will be uh, receptive to hear the Abba cry in our hearts. So we welcome you. Uh, our objective, we said last week, and I'm just going to recap for those that might not have been able to be with us last time. Our objective with this Global Sonship Forum is to facilitate a global movement of sonship around the world, which is clearly already a priority of the Spirit. Are we the only one that's doing that? No, there are many, many others that are already doing it. We just want to do our part. Secondly, we want to connect leaders and believers who have a growing desire to walk in sonship and uh, in the Father's love. So we want to sharpen each other in a clear articulation of sonship. And the best way I know to do that is for us to listen to one another, to hear each other, to keep asking questions, uh, to keep going to the scriptures and asking the Lord to give us uh, clearer and clearer revelation of what he wants to say to the church. And then fourthly, we want to invite others into a new way of being. And that's really what this is about. It's a new way of being in, in Him. So when, uh, why a revelation of sonship? This is the question we asked last week. Why a revelation of sonship is the prevailing critical issue for the church and the world. And I'm not going to go back and try to address the things that we said or the incredible input that we received from you as well. But, but last week we tried to really look at what's the Holy Spirit doing in the church and why is sonship... Uh, the message that is critical for us in this hour. We, we revel in the fact that we're now hearing worship songs, messages, themes, ministries that are talking about sonship and the Father's love. It's clearly uh, what's on the Spirit's heart to the church. But today we want to take that shift now from a critical issue to the church to a critical issue in us personally. And... Um, and say, what is the impact of sonship in our lives? We have said that we're called to represent and reflect the glory of God in the earth. That is, sonship is the operating system that the creation thrives on. This is why it's important to the church. It's why it's a critical issue. We said it's critical to the church because human beings made in God's image, that is, the church, we are ordained to, call, uh, to be called to sonship 
were ordained before the foundation of the world. And so we're living out what God saw uh, before the world began. That's Ephesians 1, 4, and 5. And then we said that uh, the issue is critical to the church because sonship's the only way to live with nothing to hide, nothing to prove, nothing to fear, and nothing to lose. And unless we come into that place where we're totally secure in the love of the Father and have nothing to lose, nothing to fear, we're not going to give ourselves away the way that we need to uh, as a church that has to reach a world that is starving, choking, drowning. So why is Revelation of Sonship in Sonship a critical uh, issue to our personal lives? Uh, we want you to weigh in on it. We want you to weigh in on the question with your thoughts. I hope you've been thinking about it already. Uh, what has Sonship done for you? And what do you anticipate uh, the impact will be even in the future? Uh, use the chat feature here. Some of you may say, well, I, I, I didn't see it live. Well, then you can email me at kerryvwood uh, at aol.com. Do we have a table of friends email they want to use? No. Just, just stick with just that one. For clarity, do we, do we want them to type every like their full thought on the chat or just say just like a little snippet of what it is and then we can call on them too? I don't know you tell us, babe, but I would say you, you want to give your thought as succinctly as possible yeah, we don't so want we can to get to it. spend their whole time typing an, an essay here, so <laughs> we want to hear you. All right, so, so Nathan, don't go Theo on us. Just keep it, keep it brief there. <laughs> so we, we do want you to weigh in. So here are my thoughts. I've got, I've got three simple ones, and I'm probably going to take yours, and you're going to say, that's cheating, but these are simple, and uh, hopefully it... Kind of primes the pump. Cheeky's got something to share. Why revelation, a revelation of sonship is critical to our personal lives. First of all, I just said living in our original design makes all of life and every relationship more whole. When I'm whole on the inside, guess what? My marriage is better. When I'm whole, all of my relationships with the church, wherever else work, is better. So Living in my original design gives me a sense of peace and dignity. I don't have to strive to be somebody I'm not. I can be myself. And uh, that's a huge one, and we see that in Jesus. The reason he could handle pressure, the reason he could handle criticism, the reason he could handle um, the death that he handled was because he was whole. Uh, he had no sense of revenge or resentment. We see all that, that all the way through. So this idea of glory... Uh, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This glory goes back to the idea of God's original idea about us. And, of course, Jesus is the fulfillment of his original idea about us. So I love this thing that the Holy Spirit's doing and has been doing in me for a long time. We're a long way away from through, but just making us whole. Shalom, whole, safe, healthy, uh, blessed. That's what he's doing in us. Holy Spirit brings us to that place where the things that used to be big deals to us just aren't a big deal anymore. And I don't think that's just because I'm getting old. I think <laughs> that might be part of it. But another part of it is that I just realized there's not a whole lot worth arguing about. And this is one of the things Cheeky and I have, have loved in our relationship is we, we've lived enough and suffered enough that we understand there's very few things that are worth fighting about, in, fretting, in over. fretting over, yeah. yeah. Then secondly, I just said I personally learn to hear and live in the Father's voice. And learning to live in the Father's voice 
uh, for me, helps me to become less codependent on other voices. It's not that I want to be independent. I just don't want to be codependent where I have to run to somebody for a prophecy every time I need some direction. We have the Father speaking to us personally. We have friends that we can bounce that off of. We, we have friends that we can, can get godly counsel about. But I'm not codependent on some outside voice for my direction. And we find that Romans 8, they that are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Thirdly, I would just say the Holy Spirit pours out the love of the Father uh, in my heart. Uh, he enables me to love beyond my capacity to love. He is the one that causes me to love the unlovable, to give myself away, changing the way I see others. And hopefully I look better myself when I'm full of the love of God. So Romans 5, 5, the Holy Spirit has been given to us. He's crying, Abba, Father. But as a process, he's pouring out, overflowing. It's the fountain picture there. There's the overflowing fountain of his love for us. And to me, that's the greatest impact in the world is to have his love coming into my heart for people that otherwise I wouldn't have any connection with whatsoever. So so what do you think? Chicky, you want to share some of your thoughts with us and we'll open up the, the yeah. microphone. Yeah, and we have some really good thoughts on the on the chat here already. So if it's okay, I'd rather call on some of these sure. now and then I can you do. I can if there's some anything new, um, then I can add some more. <laughs> um, Nathan, you just gave us a, a thought on the chat that says freedom from the futility of measuring up and measuring my own progress. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, so um, when I first heard this message of sonship, it was almost offensive because of how much I've worked and like all these things that I've achieved. And and anyway, it, it's it's uh, the freedom from from measuring up like there's, the, you know, with with the orphan spirit, it's it's always like having that mindset. You have to perform, you have to show up, you have to pay your dues, you know, to be seen, to get anywhere. And it's all, it's this lie of trying to earn your way into what the father already has for you. Like it's, you start off there. And so that's why it was kind of offensive at first, because you're telling me I'm here and I've been raised to believe I have to jump through all these hoops and bench press my way into a place that's freely given. And so it's honestly, it's been so much peace and just like i just like you said there's just some things not worth fighting for anymore and especially when you you realize that you already have them and so it's changed everything from how i see people how i view my own life and i can rest and trust and knowing and and honestly even how i pray like i've been i've been spending a lot of years praying prayers and asking god for things he's already given me yeah. and so it's like almost Wasted breath. Yeah. Self-focused, too. Yeah. Well, we we talk about uh, what Jesus overcame as a model and for us in the wilderness, self-protection, self-provision, uh, self-promotion. And in the church, I mean, we, we get pretty good at that. We, we make that an art form, self-promotion, self-preservation. And uh, as we get full of him, realize that he's the only one that can really protect us, then we we realize that uh, we don't have to perform anymore. What a great relief that is. Mm. But isn't it? Amen. I want to wonder how many that are that are in part of the forum notice that it is a relief, but it's still a struggle, 
right? Like I think sometimes we have these patterns that we've built. And even though, for me, even though we know about the message of sonship, even though we hear it, even though we're getting the revelation of it, it doesn't happen instantly. I, like I find myself still still going back to, uh, this is one of the ways that, it, that the orphan spirit shows up in my life sometimes, is that I notice like a little um, tendency to be judgmental and, and it comes because of comparison with others. And I think when there's comparison, then I, that's a trigger to me to say, wait, why am I measuring, why am I comparing myself with somebody else? If it's really not based on our performance, why is that, why is that rising up? Like, am I, I hope I'm not the only one. Well, you were raised in a very performance-oriented culture, high-performing family, family yeah. members. True. And every night at supper, they had to perform, yeah. really, with what you'd learned at school. And so, so that's something the Lord's been working on and been amazing to watch that happen. None of this happens overnight. We wish we could attend a revival meeting and get zapped and everything's changed. But in reality, it comes. Revelation comes almost like IV drip. You get some downloads, and wow, that's amazing. I see it. But what we also say is uh, revelation's not the end of the game. Revelation plus application produces transformation. Yeah. Somebody else. Yeah, me um, go to um, Todd and Linda Van Til. Um, they shared something about um, helping heal their marriage from orphan thinking to son. So can you share a little bit about that? When we came down here for school last year, spring or fall, um, we heard the message of the love of the father in a way we had never heard it before. And really that was so foundational. Um, the revelation that we were not created, um, you know, to do anything, but just to be loved. And it rocked our worlds and it took us, it just shook us. And um, the orphan mindset really began to be noted. Um, we began to see how we, um, well, for me too, Cheeky, the critical spirit, I mean, I was so critical in our marriage. And um, so this revelation of the love of God just really helped take the pressure off of me and off of Todd. And we just put, we just received the love of God for ourselves. And it was like, we could trust the Lord for each other. And it just brought us into a whole new level of rest in our relationship. Like we weren't struggling so much to just be heard or be understood or, um, have our, our, you know, what we're trying to accomplish, you know, get done. There was just, there was just a big sigh of relief. I don't know how else to explain it. Yeah, and I guess, and I guess, when it comes to no, uh, noticing things, I mean, us guys, we have a hard time noticing when our wives get a haircut or hair color. And when all of a sudden you realize that you have an orphan mindset, then all then you can begin to address it. The Lord begins to address it in your life, and until you hear it, until you see it, until you see healthy, you don't know that you're not healthy in that area. Yeah. And just uh, throw in a word here. When we talk about clearly articulating uh, sonship, I think there's much to be said about contrast. And that's why we often talk about orphan looks like this, 
sonship looks like that. If we don't learn how to see the contrast, how do we know whether we're walking in sonship if we don't know what the orphan tendencies look like? And so as you're communicating this to others, it's not like calling it out and you, oh, that was orphan. <laughs> you don't want to do that. <laughs> There's the orphan. Oh, you orphan. orphan, you the orphan calling out the orphan. <laughs> and the, the... There's no competition in it, right? But it is amazing when you begin to get a revelation how you see it everywhere. You see it. And and it'll ruin you for church, too. I mean, I, I just I don't mind telling you because I've been in church all my life. You can't sing all the songs that go up on the screen uh, because sometimes the words just defy your, your revelation of sonship. You just have to change the words. Sometimes uh, you have to take certain parts of the sermon and leave other parts out. <laughs> We need new songs being written, all of you songwriters here. You songwriters, right. Keep writing about sonship because uh, it's powerful. But learning by contrast, learn by contrast. So that's why in uh, Like Abba Factor we talk about, you know, we spend too much time, I guess, talking about the the orphan characteristics. And then you get to the sonship characteristics and, and uh, that whole progression. But if you don't see it then you don't really know what we're looking for. You don't even see it in Jesus, you know, when it's when it sticks out in terms of his what his sonship looks like compared to everything else. Can I add something on that? I think that the the um, sorry, I know you said I don't have to ask permission to add something. <laughs> it's my normal default. There you go. Uh, but um, I think that there's a, a good side about noticing when somebody's operating out of an orphan heart. And I think somebody in one of my triads shared it, and I wish I could give them credit because it didn't originate with me. But it was the idea that it actually helps us be more compassionate toward people too because we realize where they're coming from, right? So, So it helps me be more more merciful and more compassionate when I see people acting in ways that are surprising where where my normal teacher tendency would be you should be more mature than this you should be you should have it more together and then I realize well they're in a process of transformation as well and and I'm seeing things that maybe Holy Spirit has already dealt with me about um, and they're in a different place I think it it can it can become an aggravating thing sometimes but it can become a really helpful thing sometimes Jeremy talk to us a little bit about um, how sonship makes you free from childhood traumas and how you learn to see it, cope with it. What have you guys learned there in Oregon? Yeah, a ton. <laughs> Probably too much to talk about right now, but I'll, I'll kind of just give um, the best piece and, and what has unlocked for me. Um, growing up in the church, third generation pastor, like loving the Lord, even as a little boy, but experiencing... Um, I'm a childhood um, molestation, uh, verbal and physical abuse from different caregivers, not family, but other caregivers that were brought into the home. And um, that messed everything up for me. It, it, it distorted my, it, well, it, first of all, it took away my ability to, to have sanity, even as a young child, and to be able to have the right representation and view of myself. Shame was, was a mountain uh, over me. So my entire adult life was this pursuit, even, even as a young person, because I encountered God so profoundly as a young man, my entire life has been a pursuit to get out from underneath this mountain of shame. And, and in religion, 
um, it, uh, there was no peace. There was no reconciliation. There was no amount of grace. You know, I kept thinking in my sin patterns and my, in my behavioral, I don't view sin the way that I used to. I, I see sin now as, uh, or the sin behaviors as the, as the symptom of a disease called disconnected from my um, and once I was able to get a right understanding of my, uh, what was going on with my behaviors, and this was something that the Lord was taking, I mean, this has been a lifelong journey for me. Um, and, but when sonship came, it was like all of the pieces came together. It was, it was, it was the language and it was the things that my spirit already knew but I didn't know how to access it. I didn't know how to live in it. I didn't know how, I didn't know how to walk in it. I'm a crier guy. So get used to it. Because this was robbing me of my beloved identity. It was robbing me of freedom, robbing me of, of being able to um, have deeper intimacy with my father. Cause I kept um, I'll speak to what Nathan was said. I kept feeling like I had to earn something or do something to get there instead of understanding like, like this is my birthright. Um, and that, that God isn't dealing with my sexuality and, and he isn't dealing with my, my flesh nature anymore. Those things were crucified with Christ and, and, and I've been brought into the very place of the father's heart where Jesus mm -hmm. prayed for me to be in John kingdom that's the place of my healing that's the place of of my connection with the father where all of the all of the other things get washed away the other thing that helps um and i'll say this uh, in close for my part but when you hear the father's voice for yourself and you can begin to ask the really difficult questions God, where were you when I was going through my trauma? Where were you? What, what was going on? Because when we can hear the Father's voice for ourselves, when our spirit comes awake and we been, begin to hear from that place of the spirit, we can begin to reinterpret the, the, the event. We can come and get, you know, I love in the Abba Factor where it talks about that the enemy comes to give us an interpretation of, of the events of our life, of the things that happen. But in sonship, the spirit comes to say, but wait, that's, there's something else that's been happening. And when you can actually have an answer for the deepest levels of trauma, and this is, you guys, well, Carrie and Cheek, you know us, but as you'll discover, and I'm sure many other people are walking in this, um, that when you when you help somebody come to the Lord and encounter a place of having an answer for the trauma they've been through, that that just um, it unlocks everything. It blows up the end what the enemy did, and literally launches a person into the fullness of their beloved identity. Ooh. And no just shortage so, of ministry. So. <laughs> no shortage <laughs> of ministry for us. <laughs> you yeah. said something in in our triad uh, years ago. Uh, that I've been sharing ever since I wrote it down in the workbook and I'm, I'm probably not going to get it just right, but something about the fact lack of attachment is, is addiction, the root of addiction, right? Or the opposite. Of yeah. The opposite of addiction is attachment. Is yeah. Yeah. Is and so this is, yeah. this is where you really get into the, into the neat part of the healing work of the Holy Spirit is when we talk about God healing those independent issues, those wounds that make us a porcupine where we don't let anybody in close and we begin to reattach to people. And uh, Garen 
taught a great message for us a week ago, talked about friendship and phileo love and how Jesus said, I no longer call you servants, but friends, this attachment factor of being together. And, and this phileo literally means attachment in a very unique way. And so God's called us to that as well. Thank you for that, Jeremy. Um, God's doing a neat thing there and reattaching all of us in, in needed places. So um, both Holly and Karen um, said something similar to that. I don't know if with what Jeremy has said, if you have anything to add. Uh, let's go to Holly first. Is there, is there anything you want to add to that, Holly? Uh, yes. One of the things I know for my own personal uh, self that Sonship has done has really taken away because comparison was um, was the root of which all other stems came from, all the, all the other lies that held me back or kept me impotent, um, came from comparison and not good enough and the striving and all of just that nasty stuff. And what Sonship did really is go to the very root, the very tap root of what was holding me captive and just, um, and I'll tell you what, the Lord loves to rip up the weeds with us, not for us, but with us. And he does it so gently. So there was really just this exposing and the invitation of the father to pull this out the rest of the way, because this is what sonship is. Sonship is just being with me. Sonship is letting me love you. Sonship is actually stepping into your birthright of my heart fully and completely. And in that space, it's not that the invitation from the enemy doesn't arise, because the enemy still tries with his invitation of comparison or all those things. But I'll let you know that it is immediately like an old pair of shoes that don't fit comfortably anymore. Um, it, it's, it's so exposed by sonship. So exposes the lie that it's no longer even a struggle to have to come back to truth because it becomes just, well, it already is. I'm just coming awake <laughs> to who I truly be. Yeah. And in yeah. that space, um, comparison doesn't even exist. Um, no. because you begin to know who you are from the father's heart as you listen to the father speak over you. Yeah. And, and I love what was said about, um, it, it, it's not a weapon to be used against other people because we now, you know, we're so aware of orphan mindset. Now we see it everywhere, right? Like they're so orphaned, <laughs> but instead what it does is sonship doesn't awaken the orphanness in others it actually awakens the father's heart of compassion to live it out on their behalf and it's a beautiful thing that's right so holly i'm going to give you the pop quiz uh i'm going to ask you to to state in response to the question in one sentence take what you've given me in in one sentence i'm i'm not trying to punish you i really want to take these <laughs> nuggets away uh, take mm -hmm. these nuggets away and be able to uh, articulate better and better. So in response to the question, how has sonship impacted your personal life the most? Um, can you give us a sentence? And for the rest of you, yeah. think about putting it in a sentence yeah. because when yeah. we talk to others, we've got to be able to be concise. Yeah, absolutely. So it's actually set me free to be who I am in wholeness and fullness. So good. That is great. That is powerful. That does say it. Who else do we have? 
uh, some this I just love this one is from iPhone 12, so I don't know who you are. <laughs> iPhone 12. <laughs> but I love this. I see it a says, phone with little Sunship legs running. Gave me permission to be vulnerable and to be transparent. Yeah, permission. And isn't that when we when we talk about having depth in relationships, going back to the idea that God made us as rela- relational beings, and that holiness is wholeness in relationships. Vulnerability and transparency are keys to be able to have intimate relationships. We talk about recursion, where it's I see, I see that you see, I know that mm-hmm. you know that I know that you know that I know that you mm-hmm. know, like knowing deeply. It requires vulnerability, and and whoever said, oh Sylvia, thank you for saying that, Sylvia. So, yes, absolutely, the being able to be vulnerable, transparent is a huge aspect of of um, sonship. So, Josh Wheeler. You've got uh, some things here. I want to hear. I want to hear from you, Josh. You've always got good stuff bubbling up in your heart. He's he's yeah. out there by the lake. Can you see? Him? Yeah, <laughs> the glory of green screen. That's right. Yeah, I'm, I I think sonship just um, you know I, as of what I wrote in the the chat there that it just it speaks to um, it addresses the relational component more than you know any other doctrine that you could study out. You know, um, not that there aren't relational threads weaved throughout that, but, um, you know, if you say you even want to go with, uh, uh, you know, some sort of penal substitutionary atonement type thing or something like that, you know, it doesn't really address the relational component, but, but sonship is something that pulls us into the very life of God himself in a relational way where we are participants in that life. And, and so for me, sonship is, is learning how to slow down and share mm. life, mm. the life in God, but life with other people. And, so and I don't, and, and kind of just piggybacking off of what uh, other people have already shared already, you know, there, there's no comparison in that. I don't have a need to feel that I need to change you or fix you. Um, I can totally rely upon the father in that and be who he calls me to be in, in that mm. relationship in that moment but I can just enjoy you, enjoy your presence, and I can share and enter into the mystery of who you are yeah. without any threat to my own personal well-being and, and identity. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Slow down. You understand the more we live out of the Spirit, the more we live in timelessness. The soul yeah. is always pushed by impulsiveness. The soul is always pushed. The emotions are driven by time and uh, time is money and time is power and how you spend it and how you use it. And it drives us to just stay busy all the time. And the more you get in the spirit, the more you realize who you are and that you have nothing to prove, the more you can step into this sense of timelessness where, okay, if it's going to get done, the father will use me, but he's the driving force. He, he's not sitting back waiting for me to make things happen. That's a whole different world. I'm telling you, I pastored for 40 years driven to try to... M- be a success. And uh, this is a whole new ball game now when you can just say, if the Lord doesn't tell us to do it, we're not going to do it. If the Lord doesn't give us a way, we're not going to try to make our own way. And so this is the beauty. There should be, I, I think, as we're growing in sonship and God's growing a people in sonship, there should be such a, a clear distinction between the busyness that sits on many people and the relaxation, the sense of dignity, the sense of rest doesn't mean we're passive, doesn't mean we're inactive. 
Uh, Jesus was not passive. He was busy. I mean, he was busy ministering to people, but he did it in hearing the Father's voice. So what did he say his meat was? His meat was to do the will of the Father, but he only did what he heard his Father say. So when we do it out of the Father's voice, there is the self-perpetuating power of his words working in us to make that happen. So I just say, let's relax. Let's show the world what it means to live in a place of rest. You really need to redefine the, the term rest, right? Because a lot of people do interpret rest as passivity, Passive, yeah. which is not an... For those of you who were maybe not with us last time, and just as a refresher for the rest, last time we were together, our friend Andres Vargas from, from Colombia said, said a beautiful phrase. He said, it's not in our own strength, but it's with our own strength. No, with all of our strength. With all of our strength. And this is what, what Holly just alluded to as well, that God, I forgot how, exactly how you said it, Holly, but the idea that God doesn't do the pulling for us, but he delights to doing it with us. Mm -hmm. So this is Sonship 2 involves partnership, and it's partnership on how God works in us and how God works through us. But it just comes from such a different place. Yeah. And we're going to get it wrong at times. We're going to miss it at times. No. And uh, the reality is we, we now know how to discover if we're missing it. Mm -hmm. We're worn out. We're pressured. We're anxious. We're anxious at other people. We're irritated. All of those things are signals from our soul, from our spirit to our soul, that we're doing it in our own strength. I just want to say again what Andre said is so powerful. It's not in my own strength, but it's with all of my strength. Isn't that an interesting paradox? With all of my love the Lord your God with all your soul, mind, and strength. We do what we do with all of our strength, but we do it because He's strengthening us from the inside out. Somebody else that hasn't spoken yet tonight. Rick. Rick had said something and I love your puppy, by the way, Rick. That is so cute. <laughs> He's like an Abba, continual Abba hug. So you're going to have to unmute yourself, but you, you mentioned something here about the realization that you don't have to go through this life alone. And that was the biggest revelation of this to me, and still is, and still works on me every day, because I spent 60 years sure that if it wasn't me that did it, it wasn't going to happen. And if and I didn't need anybody else because if I did, it wasn't going to happen. And I spent all this time, and it wasn't until the uh, realization or the revelation, actually, of the Holy Spirit that you know there's all kinds of people that want to come alongside. There's all kinds of folks that right. want, want to be a part of this. And becoming part of this family, this big family, mm. is the biggest revelation I've had. Uh, and it's so important. It's so important. And the impact on my life and my family's lives and on the people I've been able to be in uh, triads with is just immeasurable. It, you cannot yeah. put a fence around it, it yeah. because it keeps Spend. Does anybody else have trouble receiving um, gifts from people, receiving kind acts, uh, letting other people help you, uh, receiving love? You know, I was raised in a, in a family. My mom was raised by an alcoholic father, so she had a lot of control issues. She knew it, but couldn't break it. Followed my, her grandkids around with a, 
with a little, uh, what do they call it, a little dust buster. <laughs> Everywhere they went, she's trying to vacuum after them. <laughs> and so we were raised very uh, kind of disconnected, but didn't know really how to let people love us. We wouldn't let people help us. And uh, this is one of, the, one of the personal impacts for me is to let people love me and receive that love. Somebody wants to do a, a kindness for me, you say, oh, no, I don't want to be trouble. Don't want to be any trouble. Have you ever seen anybody like that? They just they don't want to be any trouble to anybody, so you, you can't do anything for them. And uh, this is one of the ways I begin to see his love work in me. If I can't receive your love and receive your kindness, then am I really uh, receiving his? You talk about when the father, when you're asking the father what he wanted you to ask him for, that he wanted to give mm-hmm. you. And <laughs> I was already in my 60s, and I said, Father, what do you want? What do you want to give me this year? that you want me to ask you for? He said, ask me to teach you how to receive my love. Oh, my gosh. First, I feel that big, you know, in my 60s. And I, I, I got saved when I was five years old, baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was nine years old. And I, and I still have to ask you to learn. Just ask me to teach you. And, oh, my gosh, that whole year was just like, I don't know if I'm learning it or not. But at the end, just boiled some things down that were so, so simple. One of them you've heard me talk about, and that is to receive everything that comes to me as a personal act of the Father's love for me. It's changed the way I pray over my food. It changes the way I pray over my family. It changes the way I pray over my church. It changes everything that happens in my life, even red lights. Now, that's a miracle. That is a revelation. Is it true every time? No, but it's it's coming more and more a reality in my life. And that's what triggered that that thought is, is you talking about um, how you're learning to receive help and yeah. and um, expressions of love from other people. And it's probably the connection that you're learning to receive those as gifts from the Father. So it's interesting to me that we, we have these thoughts that we, these like buzzwords or phrases that we use all the time. And do we really know what they mean? And so we talk, we, we often say when God wants to give you a gift, he wraps it in a person. And I think that's part of your transformation is that mm. you're learning to receive yeah, that receive. really as a personal yeah. gift from the Father, and that's a huge transformation. Yeah. yeah, I'm looking at Christmas tree loaded with gifts right here on the screen. <laughs> I'm looking at gifts, gifts, gifts. Uh, you guys have become such gifts uh, to us and to me. I'm so grateful. Uh, the thing I think I just have to say is friends. Having friends and just knowing that people love me and I love them and we would we would go to any length for one another – and connected to one another. I didn't grow up that way. I grew up with uh, this this model that, like Rick said, you either do it on your own or it's not going to get done. I came to discover that, okay, if I have to do it on my own for it to get done, I probably don't want that to get done. I'll just leave that, that undone. <laughs> and so uh, we, we've taught all over the world, never do ministry alone. Let's, let's learn to do it together. Still hard for me, but I'm learning. And Sylvia just posted here the, the flip side of that. One, one side of it is receiving love from somebody else, and the other one is, she said, the freedom to give love without fear of rejection. So, Sylvia, can you unmute yourself and share a little bit about that? Yes. Hello, everyone. And it was me, the iPhone 12. It's me. <laughs> you don't have to confess. We, we knew it was you. There's, there's nobody <laughs> like you, Sylvia. <laughs> yes. Well, You're just, welcome. Just, just, thank you. Just the freedom to love without um, the fear to be rejected 
it just brings me to a new a new oh. level of love. It's just amazing when the Lord just fills your cup and when he makes you feel who you are and that you can give love and doesn't carry the rest of the world. They don't want to receive it. Just keep loving and loving and loving, loving, and loving. loving. It's an endless <laughs> pool, isn't it? The love of God. Uh, Joanna Black. Oh, can I, right before we go to Joanna, can I share one thing? Joanna, be ready. Yeah, it just it just triggered a, a thought that I had from one of my, the mentors, one of the gifts that the Lord has given me in terms of people. Um, she walked in, I think, an awareness of sonship. She wouldn't have put it in those terms, but she, at the, at the time that Jan was a mentor to me, she was, she had a trust fund. She had oil wells that were producing oil. She was very, very affluent and she was extremely generous. And there was somebody that she was helping out in very, very generous ways. And I was there when, when somebody called her to account and said, don't you, don't you realize that they're taking advantage of you? And her response was, if I give what I give freely, nobody can take advantage of me. And to me, that is, those are words of sunshine, right? It's right, like it is. We can, and this is exactly what Sylvia was talking about. We can love generously without fear of rejection and mm -hmm. not expecting to get something in return, mm -hmm. but just really freely give ourselves away. Mm -hmm. And we gave a business away um, shortly after we were married, and uh, that didn't all go well. I mean, there were things that were spent still in our name after it was supposedly uh, not to be in our name anymore, and people running up bills in our name. And we just simply had to come to the place to say, if we give it away, they can't steal it from us. Yeah. And so we, we took some actions, but we didn't let bitterness get in our heart about it. We freely gave what somebody intended to take, whether we were going to give it or not. But you get to choose. You get to choose whether you got stolen from or whether you gave a, an, a lavish gift that you didn't really anticipate giving. Yeah. Uh, you can go to sleep at night if you just give it away. Joanna? I don't know you very well, but I want to hear from you. Do you have a thought for us? Well, hello there. Um, I'm happy to Where be here. Where are you here. from, Joanna? I'm from Elizabethtown, Kentucky. Kentucky! Right. Kentucky. Yes, I'm just right oh. down the road from Asbury. And oh, you guys yeah. may have heard about Asbury recently. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if not of before course. that. Um, you know, I've spent a little time at Asbury, my husband and my daughters and I've gone a couple of times, a couple of nights, and uh, it is amazing to me, um, after being in triad, um, how much, uh, how much I received through the time at Asbury from the Lord through sonship, through the connection with the spirit, um, the identity as a daughter and um, just <laughs> the belonging of, you know, being there in a room full of people worshiping the Lord, um, knowing that God was doing what only God could do in that moment, in that place, not so just that place, everywhere in the world, you know, like revival mm -hmm. has come, revival is coming. Um, has come and you know I just I know that the Lord was priming my heart um, you know I grew up very performance uh, very um, earn it <laughs> um, show it 
show out for Jesus, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I'm just so grateful. I'm so grateful that there is peace and rest um, just in knowing who we are as sons and daughters and um, knowing the belonging that we have that really has nothing to do with what we're doing or saying or achieving, but um, all about who he is and who he's made us to be. So good. You've been in triads with Lynn out there in Kentucky? I'm with Gail. With Gail. Okay. Beautiful. That's a really cool story. (laughs) Lots of cool stories here staring at us. I'll go ahead and tell you now, we're going to have a global sonship Sons and Daughters Conference, October the 12th, 13th, and 14th, I think it is, or the 6th through the 8th. Nathan, do you remember by any chance? Anyway, it'll be in October. you got a little bit of time to plan. But our whole goal is to do this face-to-face, to get as many people together that have been growing in the, the grace of sonship and the Father's love together and just get a big B12 shot of uh, face-to-face uh, love and, and, and care. Is there anybody else that we've not heard from yet that you just feel like you have something in your heart you'd like to share about the personal impact of sonship for you? You could just unmute your mic and speak to us. If you're not speaking, go ahead and mute your mic again, and that'll help us keep it clean. Uh, Garen here. Garen, go ahead. I, yeah, I would say um, coming. I came to Texas at the ministry school and um, at LCU, and um, the way sonship, just the revelation of sonship, has shifted the way that I even um, share my faith with people have has been uh, just. It's completely transformed me into this place of rest and just being myself. Like I do not have to, um, like Lord Jesus over anybody, but I can simply just be, be Garen, the, the, the son that the father created me to be. Um, and it used to be like, I was like a machine gun that would just go everywhere. It was so detached from everybody. And I was just, Honestly, like I was dying on the inside. Um, but you had notches on the belt. That was the important yeah, thing. Had you had notches on the belt. On the belt. I, I even, I even saw, you know, the Holy Spirit um, move through my life and and heal people and bring people to the Lord. But yet, in t- inside, I just I felt rotten. Mm. And so the Holy Spirit really took me on a a place of really learning that I really do have a place of belonging in my Father's heart. And, um, in that all the performance and the striving just started to fall off and just teaching me a whole different way of, of doing it. Like now my wife and I, um, like when we go out to a restaurant or something, it's, it's about connecting to that individual, like to their heart. And the more that we, you know, go back walls just continue to dissolve. And then eventually there's there's this open door of utterance that you get to you get to actually speak into their life and they already trust you because you've went past basic trust and you you're starting to get a little deeper so they start to open their hearts more and more and we've just we've been so blessed by that whole transition in our in our marriage in our life of just 
it's a lot easier than (laughs) than we've we've been taught given given the love away get full stay full overflow should be natural huh should be natural natural yeah hi guys um i i just have to share something that i'm just really excited about the word for this year was evangelism and um if it wasn't for meeting carrie at school if it wasn't for doing the the book that summer and being there present when carrie spoke about being in the mustang and where are you and i saw myself as a little girl with the arms out and hair everywhere and and just the father's eyes on me nothing else mattered which really released something in me to be i'm open anyways but to be even just what he wants me to be. He created me. I learned that he created me because he loves me. I don't have to do anything else. There's nothing I can do for him not to love me. Mm. And yesterday I preached at my brother's church, had an altar call, it's a new church. And there were 50 people that came up for me to pray for them. I did have Mm. help, but there were 50 people when I shared about testimonies and te- this is how you, you use a testimony to evangelize and 50 people showed up. There were healings. There were um, people getting born again. There was so much going on. And if it wasn't for getting the freedom through the Abba journey, this could not have happened. I needed this. I got, got I had what I need to have when I need to have it. I got it. Amen. Holy Spirit is the genius of the universe. If we hang out with the Holy Spirit, he'll make us look smart. And that's that's such a clear testimony that that walking in sonship does not make us passive or unproductive, but quite the contrary. (laughs) The fruitfulness that comes is very different. Right. So good. All right. Let's see if... Is she back? Let's see if Daisy is... uh... We had fun. Daisy, are you there? We had fun ministering to the third-year students at Christ for the Nations this morning. And I just shared with them uh, what we shared with Table of Friends yesterday morning. And uh, it's come to me in a new way. We wrote the book, uh, Foundations of Sonship. But I think about foundations. Our real foundation in the Spirit, of course, is, is what God did before He created anything. His love for us and seeing us and choosing us in Him. And then I thought about the floor. The floor is is what everything else is built on, and we've been talking about the 12 tribes of sonship. And and we looked at uh, these pictures of redemption with uh, Jesus saying, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Moses throwing the rod down, and it swallows up all the little snakes, and he raises it up, and the nature has changed, and he goes walking out the palace with uh, all of the magician's resumes, having spoiled them, shattered, empty, and defeated, and, and how God is showing millennia ago how his desire and design is to bring us into himself so that we are what he is. We have what he has. We are the inheritance that he's chosen, and he's the inheritance that we've chosen. And then you got the seven pillars that you build on that floor. And the seven pillars is Paul's revelation. I I was crucified with Christ, died with Christ, was buried with Christ. 
all the way up to resurrected and glorified with Christ. Those are the pillars. Now I can build my house. The things that we go to school for and learn all the techniques, you know, the preaching, the teaching techniques, the study techniques, all of those are just the decoration in the house. If it's not built on a foundation of the Father's love for us before we were even formed in our mother's womb, Jeremiah 1.5, Psalm 139, then we're going to be caught into a striving life. Um, we hear the word legacy a lot nowadays. You know, I want to leave a legacy. Well, that will push you into striving too if you're not careful. Let the Lord build your legacy without any sense of push. Uh, I want to just encourage you, the Lord is building a house. He's building a house of sonship uh, where a, a people are growing who know where they came from. They know who they are and how they stay full in who they are. It's not a one-time baptism. It's a daily walk with Him, walking in the cool of the day with the Father. That's morning and evening, listening and receiving from Him. I just want to encourage you. Um, you're always going to feel like there are other things you can do, that there are more things that need to be done. Of course, there's no shortage of things to be that need to be done. But if you will continually stay in the place where you hear the Father's voice, pray in the Spirit, worship in the Spirit, meditate in the Word, you're going to hear His voice, and His voice will deliver you from the treadmill. It will deliver you from that sense that I'm just not getting enough done. My life's not going to count. I'm going to die, and I haven't, I haven't got my bucket list done. Well, you need to get your bucket list saved too. <laughs> Is that too harsh? <laughs> Let's get our bucket list saved. God, I just want whatever you want for me. Uh, you take me wherever you want me to go, and uh, your plan for my life is going to be much more thrilling than my bucket list anyway. I just want to bless you with this. Your life has been carved out. Your days were written before you were formed in your mother's womb, the Scripture says. The Father knows and His plans for you are so much better than what we could ever dream up for ourselves. I'll just say this. Uh, my, my mentor, Pastor Jack Hayford, wrote an article one time saying why I don't set goals. And it just changed my life, another piece of many things that he said. But he said, I found that I could set a one-year goal, five-year goals, 10-year goals, and work really hard to meet those goals. Or he said, I could listen to the Father's voice, and he would beat my five-year goals every time. I would have the five-year goal done in one year simply by hearing his voice. I've got several stories I could tell about that from Pastor Jack, but that has stood in my heart as something that becomes a guide for me. I'm not trying to build a legacy. I'm not trying to build some big ministry that will carry my name on when I'm gone. No, <laughs> I don't need to do that. I just want to pour my life into people and let God do the rest. As he told us about the books, don't try to promote the books. I'll blow them wherever I want to go. And the stories that are coming out of that, how the, how the Lord's blowing this revelation, I know through many people, um, is just glorious. And I'm so grateful for each one of you, so grateful that your heart is open and receiving, not only receiving, but you're giving it away. You're pouring into other people's lives, and you realize that that's all we're really called to do. 
I do think there won't be any judgment in his voice, but I think when I see Jesus uh, the first time there in the courts of heaven or whatever that looks like, I think he's going to say, um, did you make disciples? And I'm going to be able to say, I did the best that I could do by the power of the Holy Spirit, and he helped me. And I just want to say that to you. I, I, I just want to honor you for the disciples that you're making, not just to a doctrine, not to a denomination, but to a spirit of sonship and walking in the Father's love. You want to pray for us and just bless us as we, yeah. as we go? Uh, Abba, <laughs> we belong to you. We belong to you. And we don't take that lightly. Mm. I thank you for thank you for these friends that you have given us. I thank you for sons and daughters who walk in the fullness of who you've made us to be. The I thank you for the thoughts, the plans, the desires that you had for each one of us. And we trust you. We trust you with our lives. We trust you with the things that you call us to do. We trust you with our relationships. Mm. We trust you. And we just ask for your grace, for your grace even for ourselves, <laughs> that we won't be so hard on ourselves in the process of transformation, and that your grace would so abound from us that it would spill over to those that we come in contact Thank with. You, Lord. Make us fruitful vessels of um, just sons and daughters who share your love freely. And we join you in crying out for the harvest, and we say, sons and daughters, come home. Mm-hmm. Sons and daughters, come home. From the north, south, east, and west, yeah. we call the sons and daughters home to Papa's house. So we are willing, continue to teach us, Holy Spirit, our ears are listening and our hearts are turned toward you to receive everything you have for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Uh, As best as I know right now, next month, we're going to talk about uh, what sonship versus orphan spirit looks like in leadership. Uh, That's going to be a little bit of walking on thin ice because we're going to talk about leadership without talking about a particular leader. Everybody got that? (laughs) But I think it's important that we connect the dots at every level. And how do we walk this spirit of sonship out when what the church has bought into so much is a corporate idea of leadership and those kinds of things? So I think it's a very critical question. I'd ask you to begin to think about that. What does orphan characteristics of leadership look like? What does sonship characteristics of leadership look like? What's gripping and what's letting go? Uh, and uh, let's anticipate. Maybe you can invite some friends to join us, and, and maybe it'll put some hunger in their heart. We just want you to know we love you. Thank you for being with us today. Uh, we're honored that you would join us and share your hearts with us, and we're, we're writing down. We're taking the notes from the chat line and, and uh, cultivate things. I'll probably be preaching some of your uh, <laughs> chats here shortly. <laughs> All right, we love you. God bless you. Have a great week, great month. We'll see you next month.